WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens. A, their offense is 12 for 12 in the red zone. B, their defense hasn't allowed a touchdown in the second half so far this season. Now, that's not exactly all the people need to know. Baltimore has played the Bills, Broncos, and Bengals. Buffalo, Denver, and Cincinnati. Decent is the optimistic word that can be applied to those teams, but below average might be a better term. However, look at the records. Buffalo 1-2, and two, Cincinnati and Denver both 2-1. and one. Uh, That's okay, and you can only play who's on your schedule. Uh, Baltimore did beat Buffalo 47-3. That certainly inflates some numbers. Baltimore's 2-1. That's better than 1-1-1, one, one and one, which is what the Steelers are. And those stats I mentioned are scary. Baltimore might be real good. It's a weird era in football. It's like on a given day, the best offense is going to win. Period. It doesn't often go beyond that. Does that give hope to the Steelers? With Ben and Brown... No bell. Vance McDonald healthy. Can the Steelers just outscore Baltimore? That might be how it got to be. I'm excited about the game. Prime time for a second time in just six days. What could be better? And if you believe this kind of thing has impact, has momentum, a life of its own, if you will, Pittsburgh has won 11 straight primetime games. This is the Mark Madden Show, 412-333-9939 is the number to call to go one-on-one with the great one, or follow me on Twitter, at Mark X. Steelers legend Craig Wolfley joins me at 315. That's about 10 minutes away. Beer League champion Colby Armstrong joins me at 430. The Pirates are facing an interesting situation. Young Ho Gung will join the team for their season-ending series at Cincinnati. I'll talk about the ramifications of that in a few minutes. It'd be great for the Pirates if Gung could get back to what he was. But that story has sidebars aplenty. The Ryder Cup is going on. I'd rather watch Pickleball. That $10 million match between Tiger and Mickelson, it looks like it's going to happen, and the hype is starting, but none of the money is theirs. It's not a bet. There's no risk, and for me, that limits the rush. The Penguins opener is next Thursday, less than a week away. My fellow Reds come to town, Ovi and Kuzi. As a Penguin fan, I need real games. 
because the Penguins really have no issues. It's a great roster. It's loaded. And I stress one more time, Matt Murray and Chris Letang are going to be juggernauts. Big, big bounce back years from both of those guys. But we've got to be knee deep in the Steelers and Ravens. Maybe even nipple deep, which is kind of sexy. I wish Baltimore had more villains besides Suggs, who is kind of a dinosaur. 18 Baltimore players have never played in a Steelers-Ravens game. So do they really know what the rivalry is all about? If the Steelers' offensive line is all back in there, like it looks like, that's going to be huge. Special teams got to be better. Boswell got to be better. People say you can't cut Chris Boswell if he keeps stinking because of the cap. I disagree. I say there's no such thing as commitment to a kicker. So Boswell better kick it into gear. Get it? Uh, Let's cut the penalties down to a manageable number, like no more than five. And let's hope Ben keeps being Ben because he's all there is and there ain't no more. But that Baltimore pass defense is number two in the league, even without Jimmy Smith, who suspended four games. Now, speaking of Jimmy Smith, here's a stat that should scare the Ravens and uh, their fans. Jimmy Smith, like I said, suspended. Four games. Baltimore quarterback. His last game on the shelf is Sunday night at Heinz Field. In seven games against Baltimore when Jimmy Smith played, and he covered Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown averaged a puny 60 yards receiving and caught only one touchdown. That's in seven games. That's chump change for any receiver, especially one of Antonio Brown's caliber. In three games against Baltimore, when Smith didn't play and obviously did not cover A.B., A.B. averaged 151 yards receiving and had two touchdowns in those seven games, in those three games, rather. Jimmy Smith has done as good a job as anyone in football when it comes to covering Antonio Brown. Jimmy Smith is A.B.'s kryptonite, but Jimmy Smith won't be playing Sunday night. So that's good. Maybe A.B. can bust out. But like I said, Baltimore's pass defense has been very good this year without Smith. A.J. Green had a great day. Actually, a great 13 minutes. Uh, When the Bengals and Baltimoreans played, A.J. Green had three touchdown receptions in 13 minutes. But regardless, Baltimore's pass defense is ranked second in the NFL. So uh, the spread's three points. Pittsburgh favored by three. That's just the home points. I definitely see this game as being up for grabs. 412-333. 9939 is the number to call. Uh, Jeremy Fowler wrote an article at ESPN.com about the Steelers locker room culture and how the party and music don't start till Ben Roethlisberger leaves the locker room for the day. When Ben leaves, the volume goes up and the dancing starts. It's a good read. 
I don't think it's an indictment of the culture. There's plenty of other evidence that indicts the Steelers' locker room culture. But Fowler's story is more about generation gap and tradition. I'm like Ben. I don't see why the workplace has to be nonstop volume and fun. And I think there's a way to encourage focus. Jeremy Fowler just tweeted this. Juju Smith-Schuster expects to see double teams, which is good news for Antonio Brown and the Steelers' offense. Well, that's young Juju being a bit full of himself again because as long as Antonio Brown is healthy, Juju ain't going to see no double teams. That's going to be Antonio Brown's world. And Juju Smith-Schuster, despite superior stats for the moment, is just living in it. Don't forget you can play fantasy football against me. Little thing put together by Sheets. Check it out at 1059thex.com. I picked my team for this week. Last week I finished 22nd out of over 2,000 teams. Boy, I am really good. And I got Flacco this week. He's playing against that Steeler pass defense. How could I not take him? And I got A.B. and Juju. Juju going to get double teamed, he says. But I still have faith in him to pull my fantasy league team through to a big grudge match type victory. Either way, I get paid and get Sheets gift cards besides. But you can play against me. Check it out at 1059thex.com. Up next in studio, it's the best Steeler talk on the radio anywhere. It's me, Double M, with Steelers great Craig Wolfley. You're listening to 1059thex. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I am the voice of the voiceless. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just a thought. What, what the hell are you talking about? The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio, and had they protected him like they're protecting quarterbacks in the NFL, he might still be playing. It's Steelers' all-time great uh, Craig Wolfley. Wolf, we'll get to that topic maybe a bit later. But how much uh, progress was made by the Steelers in the win at Tampa Monday? Because I'm not sure the defense and special teams got all that much better. Well, I know this Jordan Barry was ripping the cover off the ball, and that was mentally tough to come back after getting that that one where you got him knocked down inside the one yard line. You come back and you 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 know you lose nineteen yards of field position, and you boot the ball, uh, you know, like crazy. So good for him. The other thing was you got. I'm just talking special teams now. The Wizard of Boz, it's an issue. I mean, let's face it. We had the bionic stiff arm. The guy goes 75 yards. Cam Hayward has got the big signal. He's, he's, he's flashing at, at Conti. And, and you got all this juice. And then he comes out and he knocks off the goal post on the extra point. And that's, that's difficult. So that was, that was a hard thing. But defensively speaking, look, they got it going ramrod tough in the second quarter. And you got to be able to pick that back up and do the same in the third and fourth. Well, I will say the defense was opportunistic. Uh, four takeaways. And 10 passes defended, they got their hands on the ball a lot. I thought they were taking a little bit of a risk trying to jump rot sometimes, but at least it it came up with some reward. Well, it did, and you also got a lot of blitz and backers and things going on where they got their hands up. And, of course, John Bostic deflected that one that popped into the air, and Mike Hilton was able to inter- – I believe it was Hilton that intercepted it. Um, then you got, of course, Bud Dupree getting a nice pick six. All those things – Sacks. That, that was off pressure, too. Yes, it was off pressure. And sacks and, and turnovers like that, they tend to come in bunches. And so you hope that this is a signifying some more turnovers and takeaways coming in the future. I should say takeaways, not turnovers. Now, um, 
You mentioned Bostic. Uh, he's making a lot of tackles. Is that because Bostic is playing well or because the other team is going after him in the center of that Steeler defense? I, I can't get a beat on how well he is or isn't playing. I thought this was John's finest work to date. Uh, he really, in my mind, he blitzed a lot. He hit the gaps that he was supposed to hit. He found the ball. Found the ball carrier, uh, down that guy. That's what he needs to do. That's what they got to keep doing. One thing I liked was his acceleration to the intercept point, and he was able to negate, I thought, a lot of the power blocking that was coming at him. He was able to overcome. So he's going in the right direction. He's going in the right direction, absolutely. In my mind, yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to talk about the Ravens. Should these stats concern me, Wolf? Baltimore is 12 for 12 in the red zone, and Baltimore is not a lot of touchdown in the second half. Yeah, <laughs> just off the top of my head. They, they really are concerning, I, aren't they? I would say so. You know, the thing about this Ravens defense, I look at it, and there's nobody that it really, really scares me. If I'm an offensive lineman, you know, there was the day when you had the Ray Lewises and such back in that. Haloni Nada, who was exactly, huge. Exactly, who rearranged noses on quarterbacks' faces and Bart stuff Scott, like that. Bart Scott, who was a bit dirty, not yes. to mention good. Yes, not to mention the fact that he let he, – threatened to kill Heinz Ward, you know, <laughs> those kind of guys. But they had they were villainous, and they gave you something you really wanted to go after and tie one on with. Now we are in uh, a kinder, gentler era, and one of the things that's, to me... For football put, in general. Yeah, put the violence back in the game. Let them play. Let them play Sunday night, man. I mean, you think about it, all the flags that have been going, hopefully the Steelers can play a little cleaner. But again, um, this defense of the Ravens isn't like... Your daddy's defense, my daddy's defense, uh, that that was Raven-like back in the day. But it certainly is still capable of doing some damage. Well, it, it is weird because I agree with you. It's not like the old-school Ravens defense, but right now it's first overall, second against the pass, fifth in scoring defense. Who's the catalyst for that Baltimore D-Wolf? Because, like you said, they don't have the stars that you used to you see. And it's just, it, it is weird. I know what you're saying. There's no one to draw a target on. When you're talking about that Baltimore defense. Well, even even the guy that used to come out with the gladiator mask on to all the smoke and fire and brimstone, that being Terrell Suggs, has now turned into kind of like a, a wise statesman. You know I mean? Uh, well, he's in the twilight. No offense to him because no. he's still pretty effective. Two and a half sacks he's gotten three right. games. It's still amazing. He still plays at a pretty high level. But certainly you got to think he is he's kind of like the heart and soul, at least by word and by appearance, and, and one of those guys that you know the rest of the defense can rally around. But it's C.J. Mosley was the big hitter. Now he's got an injury, and that and you know coming back, however effective he can be, I don't know yet. Uh, you got some light linebackers in there. When you take a look at their linebacking crew, you got a Wasser, you got uh, uh, Kenny Young. Those guys are the Two two and a quarter, uh, you know they're two thirty five. I think, boy, if you can get after him and, and run at him, uh, getting around Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce, you know those guys, both them guys are like ten pounds of potatoes and, and five pound sacks. They really they 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 fill out their uniforms, but they are hard to move and they're hard to uproot. Now Jimmy Smith is not going to play. He's still serving a suspension uh, for personal conduct. And I dug back through the stats, Wolf. When Jimmy Smith covers AB. A.B. don't do much. When Jimmy Smith can't play, A.B. rips the Ravens apart. Uh, that surprised me a bit that, that Jimmy Smith, I mean, A.B. only averages 60 receiving yards a game when he's covered by Smith. It surprised me that Smith shackled him to that degree, but that bodes well for Sunday night. Well, it does because it, obviously with Jimmy Smith there and stats bear that out, uh, you might have an opportunity for A.B. to shake loose and, and get himself going in the direction that we're all 
you know, uh, fully. I mean, this is what you expect. He's been big, pert near, but not plumb. Yeah, he's just not been the AB, the game breaker that that we know. I, I think he's still hurt a bit. I wonder. I wonder about that. that I don't cap. hear anything. I don't hear anything at all. But he's never, as you pointed out earlier, you said he's never been one to ever use that as an excuse. He right. goes out there and he lays it on the line. Why I have such great respect for him. The fact is, though, with Juju and the and, and what he's been doing, the positive work in Vance McDonald. That's all just bodes well for A.B. to shake loose. Now, Flacco stumbled for a couple years. Did, didn't stink, but wasn't what he was. But now his numbers are pretty decent. It's a real short sample. But do you feel like Joe Flacco's having a bit of a resurgence? Well, I do in the sense, first of all, I think they got straightened out whatever was going on with his knee. Because, you know, when he came back from that, he never never looked comfortable with people falling around. Now they got him moving a little bit. He'll run some sprint outs and things of that nature. And he's got uh, multiple layers of, of routes that he's looking at. Because Marty Mornenwig came in. Instead of the long bombers of Cam Cameron and those guys, uh, Mornenwig's more of a West Coast guy. It's more about timing routes. And that's good because we're not sure Joe can throw that deep that much anymore. At least I'm not. Well, yeah. I mean, he's not shown it, but he's still, I think he's capable. He he's was a the threat. mad bomber. He was the guy that put up, you know, the, the lofty ones to the. Uh, you know, the angry elf, Steve Smith, and those other guys, and draw the pass interference. You know, now it's about timing routes. Now he's got a, a lower per pass completion average. I think he's at 6.8 when he used to be up around 9 and so forth. Um, so it's decidedly changed what he looks at as far as that goes. And he doesn't have the complimentary running game that I think he's used to. We're talking to Steeler great Craig Wolfley here on 105.9 The X. Uh, Wolf, uh, let's talk about the Steelers. The O-line might have everybody available, and that would certainly serve the Steelers very well because I thought they kind of survived in the trenches last week. Well, survive's a good word, but at the same time, uh, I can't tell you the great job that B.J. and and, uh, Matt Filer did under the gun. That's what everybody says. You know, when you look at these two young bucks, they go out there, Matt Filer, you know, pregame, I love to stand down by the guys. And right before, you see Marquise Pouncey, man. He's got the eyes flashing. He's ready to go. He's bouncing. The juice (laughs) is just emanating. And I see Matt Filer, and Matt comes out, and I know this look well. He's making his first start on Monday night football at tackle. And he comes out, he looks like he just saw a ghost. You know, and I know that feeling. It's it's paralyzing. And I can tell you this: I made my first start, uh, my second year in the, in the NFL, or first year. I didn't start actually, but I played a lot against the Oakland Raiders on Monday Night Football back with Dandy Don and and uh, you know Howard Cosell. And Howard those guys. Cosell. There you go. And I can remember I was absolutely terrified. I will say this: <laughs> Matt Filer did infinitely better than I did on my first Monday Night game. Well, I, I got to tell you, you said last week that Filer. Uh, had some expertise as a run blocker. And, and watching the game again just on the TV feed, especially the second time through when I watched it, I thought he had major impact on that last drive when, when James Conner put the game away. A lot of that was uh, was kind of in Filer's territory, wasn't it? No question about it. That's in his wheelhouse. He is a powerful dude. The guys call him the anchor. I mean, he is because he is just such a stout, strong man. What I was worried about and what I, I, I thought sure was going to happen, you know, you knew that the – Bucks were going to come after him with Gerald McCoy and whoever else they're going to put out there, and they're going to run twists. They ran twists. You could put on the Beatles' twist and shout, and then frame <laughs> after frame. Come of them. on, baby. Exactly. And I will tell you this: BJ and and Matt stood the test. They, you know, they you had a crack here or there, but I got to tell you, overall, they did a great job. Now Ben was terrific on Monday night, and let's talk about his escapability, Wolf, because 
At 36, it, it's a different kind of escapability. He used to just run away from people, and now he just kind of slips and slides. He moves a lot without moving very much. You know what's interesting is you see the optimum amount of uh, his veteranship coming into play with his, uh, you know, he's got some diminishing his physical skills in some sense, but he's, he's lighter. He looks great. He moves so well. And he, he, what he does, he moves with a purpose. There's no unwanted, wasted motions. He knows when to go. He knows when to slide. He knows when to step up. Those sorts of things where in the past he might accelerate and go from there. You know, he really bides his time, and I really admire the, what he's doing right now. Think about very, it. Very cerebral. Very cerebral. He's out there. He's got he's got the whole nine yards working for him. First three games in his 15th year, what is it, 300-yard games in the first three games. Never done that before in his career. And he's, he's doing first in his 15th year. That says a lot about him. Now, the number one highlight at Tampa for me, and I know you loved it too, that Vance McDonald stiff arm. Oh. That struck me as a turning point for the game. And maybe I'm overestimating, but it might be a turning point for the season. You know, you might look back, and that might be the reference point, the the benchmark for everybody to go, let's go with the, the bionic stiff arm. Let's go, baby. I mean, you think about it. That was one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in my NFL life. Especially doing it twice, a two-piece and a biscuit. It was amazing. It was. And I thought when, when Cam Hayward was doing the point, you know, and they, they flashed on it. Big pop. You got to laugh. I mean, it was just so magnificent. Poor Chris Conti. He's got to sit there and go, let somebody else get stiff-armed this week, please, so I can get off ESPN highlights. Well, he, he, it won't happen to him again for a while. I mean, yeah. I feel bad for the guy, but right. he got stiff-armed so hard in the head that his knee buckled. <laughs> the vibrations yeah. carried all the way down. Well, those are not good vibrations. No, they were not good vibrations. Uh, they were definitely painful for him. And, uh, you know, I, I know what it's like. You know, you can be – every player's got those couple of plays in their history – I remember the great Larry Brown. Every radio host has a couple oh. moments like that too, Wolf. Believe me. I asked Larry Brown, the great legendary right tackle of Steelers, after he had retired, I said, do you ever miss it? He says, do you know what I do? He says, I keep a picture on my refrigerator. On that picture, Ben Williams was his kryptonite. Ben Williams from the Bills. He said, I have a picture of Terry Bradshaw on his back holding the ball down, right? I'm on my back, he says, on top of Bradshaw with Ben <laughs> Williams on top of us both. He says, anytime I miss the game, I look at that, I suddenly don't miss the game at all. Here's one of those stories, Wolf, that won't go away, although maybe it will. Would it be better if Lev Bell just stays away now and, and doesn't play for the Steelers this season? It feels like we're almost past the point of no return, and James Conner's doing pretty good. At least he's showing legitimate signs. You know, he really has come on good. This this kid is, is uh, I think he's terrific. Well, that fourth quarter might have been a turning point for him. Exactly. Look, there's there's a time in your running back life when you like you, things are not going well, and you still manage to bust out the big runs. That twenty seven yarder, that seventeen yarder, you know, in the late in the game. That's what you need to do for your team. They need you to come through. They want you to come through, and bammo, you come through. So, with Lev, I can't, I can't ever say it would be better if he didn't come because he is such a great player. But at the same time, I don't know what it would be like inside the locker room when he comes back in. Yeah, and and. I, I don't, I'll be blunt, Wolf, I don't trust him to be in game shape. And don't forget, this won't be just one training camp he missed. It'll be two in a row. And doesn't that have to have some sort of cumulative effect? I, I That I can't speak to. I've never been fortunate enough to, have, to be able to miss two training camps. <laughs> and I can't remember the last time somebody did either. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, I think what it is, is it's, it really is going to set him back as far as being able, let's just say that he doesn't play at all this year. And then you come in next year and wherever that might be. 
Um, and it's weird because then you're kind of used to not working. Yeah, you're gonna have to really get back in a in a groove in that regard. And I don't know, I don't know if Lev has the personality to really like just go from doing nothing to doing a lot. Like would be required at that point. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's all uncharted territory, and so I, I really don't know. You wish the best for him in the sense that if he if he came back, you know, that you wonder just where he'd be physically because it took right. him three weeks as it was for actually into the fourth game before he started to show signs yes. of who he was, and it was the Kansas City game, week number five, and before he, and he, he did was left after that. Absolutely. He is a great talent, no question, but you still need that work in ramp-up time to be able to play. This game Sunday night feels real big, doesn't it? It just feels like the result will determine something at year's end when we look back. It, it almost, to me, it's like, okay, this is the first real physical test of yourself. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. Is that a compromise, verbally speaking? Verbally speaking. How stupid is that? What other kind of verbally is there besides speaking? The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. That is the best weekly football talk in town. Myself and Craig Wolfley, mostly because of Craig Wolfley. A pleasure to have Wolf on. 412-333-9939 is the number to call if you care to try and follow that up. Now, here's something I mentioned in Shows Open. And it, it's a story. I'm not sure it's going to blow up given that we're about to see the Ravens and Steelers play at Heinz Field Sunday night prime time. And with the Penguins starting their season Thursday at home against the Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals. But I'm curious to see the reaction to the news that Young Ho Gung is going to finish the season with the Pirates. Going to be with the team for these last three games at Cincinnati. Gung had those three DUIs in Korea. He was investigated for sexual assault in Chicago. Nobody seems to know if that case is closed or not. And now two years later, he's back on the Pirates. Do you forgive? Do you forget? Are you excited? Or are you pissed off? Do you think about him like he's Jane Fonda? Or do you think about him like he's Roseanne? Gung hasn't exactly been a model citizen, and I got to say, the Pirates are smart to do this now. I totally get it. It takes the edge off next year, PR-wise, if the Pirates start the season with Gunn. Hey, he was here last year already. I'm also interested because we don't really know if Gunn can still play ball. Uh, his stats this year, he hit 235 in AAA. He hit 417 at Bradenton. Uh, but both those sets of stats were compiled in very limited experience appearances. Pardon me. In other Bucko news, Chris Archer has been shut down for the year. Uh, they say it's a groin strain. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. But I bet Archer is just allergic to pitching well because he had done so in his last couple of starts. This doesn't seem like a big deal. It just seems like not taking a chance. He's only missing one start after all. The Pirates are 80 and 78. They are very likely to finish over 500. But really, 
all the Pirates did was not make the playoffs. I said at season's beginning that this season's a failure if they don't make the playoffs, and they didn't make the playoffs. Rejoicing that they finish over 500 will be very forced and artificial. Once again, October is the shortest month. I wish I had Antonio Brown's email or a way to contact him because a story just got posted at theathletic.com by football columnist Michael Salfino. And the headline is, Juju Smith-Schuster, not Antonio Brown, is the Steelers' number one wide receiver. If I had a contact for AB, I would buy him a subscription to The Athletic just so he could read that story. I don't know. Is is that true? Is Juju now the Steelers' number one receiver? Could he possibly have claimed that distinction away from Antonio Brown after just three weeks? I really don't think so, but maybe Juju does because Juju told Jeremy Fowler of ESPN he expects to see double teams very soon. I'm telling you, there will be conflict eventually between Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju going to get super kicked right through the barbershop window. You might think they're inseparable. You saw them dancing together on TV, and nobody out pizzas the hot. But Zabisco turned on Bruno. Remember that. Zabisco turned on Bruno. I'm still freaked by those Jimmy Smith stats. Uh, He suspended the Baltimore cornerback in seven games covering A.B. A.B. averaged 60 yards per game receiving, which is paltry, and only caught one touchdown in those seven games. In three games against Baltimore, when Smith didn't play, didn't cover Antonio Brown, A.B. averaged 151 yards receiving in those games, and had two touchdowns in those three games. Does that mean A.B.'s going to run amok Sunday night? It means there's a much better chance. And A.B. got to get it turned up soon, for his sake, not for the Steelers. I think if A.B. produces at the level he has been, nah, the Steelers need more than that. But but he still served them well. And as, as you heard me and Wolf talk about, I think A.B.'s still nursing the residue of that calf injury from uh, the preseason. Okay, so Juju says he's going to get double-teamed soon. A.B. just said this. It's posted by WPXI. Obviously, I'm getting a lot of respect out there. Guys are doubling me, tripling me. I mean, what's new? Okay, so here's where the Steelers are going to bust loose. If A.B.'s getting tripled and Juju's getting doubled, Well, that's five guys occupied right there. I've got to assume Vance McDonald's going to be wide open, and when he gets the ball, whoever comes to tackle him, Vance will just knock him the F out. La La Land with a two-piece and a biscuit, the big double stiff arm. you got to love it. You've really just got to love it. 412-333-9939. We have Beer League champion Colby Armstrong joining me at... 4.30, uh, just around the corner, we're going to talk about the importance of this game between Pittsburgh and Baltimore because I think that's being overlooked by Inter Nation.
1059 the X. Hey, so be it. Kills fine. Hey, Mark, big fan. Hey, super genius. How you doing today? Getting funky like a monkey. The X at 1059. Here's some Stillers news. Dale Lawley from DK reporting that Mike Hilton and Morgan Burnett are both doubtful to play for the Steelers against the Ravens. Everybody else is a full go. That's bad. Morgan Burnett, he's been all bluff and no stuff. He's been either hurt or mediocre. Mike Hilton's been brilliant, and uh, that forces a lot of young dudes out there at the same time in that Steeler secondary, and that has not been a winning recipe when it's occurred. Here's some news I did not see coming. Uh, Matthew Thomas, the rookie linebacker, the undrafted free agent from Florida State, said he's been getting some first-team reps with the Steeler defense. Now, that might still be experimental at this point, but the coaches have told him to be ready on Sunday. I can't honestly say whether Matt Thomas should be in there more or not. I've not seen enough of him. You've not seen enough of him. I suspect the Steeler coaches don't feel they've seen enough of him, but given how badly the inside backers are playing, if this kid's showing legitimate signs of life in practice, I would be extremely tempted. That's the word I would use, tempted. But that's what he said about squeezing fruit of another. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Uh, I want to stress that we shouldn't overlook the importance of this game Sunday night between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. If Baltimore wins, they're 3-1. and one. Pittsburgh is 1-2-1, and, and that's a game and a half back, just four games in. You're in last place. A lot of teams to jump over. Pittsburgh really really needs to win this game. My official prediction is that Baltimore covers. I'm 3-0 against the spread this year. 4-0, if you consider I said take the over last week. So I'm taking Baltimore plus three. Baltimore is going to score points, and Baltimore's D will keep Pittsburgh somewhat in check. But without Jimmy Smith, A.B. could have that breakout game that he and everybody has been waiting for. The Pittsburgh defense needs to do what it did against Tampa, and that's get takeaways. That's very much easier said than done. You just can't manufacture takeaways with the snap of a figure, but uh, that's the compromise the Pittsburgh defense has to make. That Pittsburgh defense is going to let up points. It's going to let up yards. So ball hawk, jump routes, gamble, and get takeaways. You want to talk Steelers, now's the time to do it. Dial 412-333-WXDX. Here's an interesting story. There is no I in team kind of stuff. CC Sabathia was pitching for the New York Yankees. A teammate got hit by a pitch, so Sabathia retaliated and drilled the first batter he faced in the next inning. Sabathia got tossed, of course, and... If he had pitched that inning and another inning, Sabathia would have got a half million dollar bonus for pitching 
155 innings. That is really taking one for the team. And that might well be his last Yankee appearance ever because Yanks are the wild card game against Oakland. It's at Yankee Stadium. If they win, you'll probably see Sabathia in the division series. If they don't, I think his contract's up with the Yankees. I respect Sabathia for doing that. He really put the team first, and this isn't the era for that necessarily. The Penguin roster note, the Penguins lost JSD up to waivers. He got claimed by New Jersey when the Penguins tried to send him down. D is a decent player, and he might get ice in New Jersey, but he's no real loss to the Penguins. You're not allowed to use your body weight to sack a quarterback anymore in the NFL. Aaron Donald, our buddy from Pitt and Penn Hills, now just a monster with the LA Rams, he figured out a different way. He grabbed Kirk Cousins and just spun him into the ground like a Frisbee. Aaron Donald didn't even leave his feet. He just grabbed him kind of like by the back of the jersey and the and, and the shoulder pad. Just, just It looked like he was playing Frisbee golf with a human being. And he didn't just lay up for par. It looked like a double eagle to me. So good on Aaron Donald. Now here's a funny story from the NBA. Tristan Thompson of the Cleveland Cavaliers had this to say, quote, we're still four-time Eastern Conference champions, so until you take us down from that, teams ain't got much to say. Boston, Philly, they ain't got much to say. Boston had home court game seven and lost. Philly, you guys almost got swept. Toronto, we know that story, unquote. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, Tristan? LeBron James left. You do know that, right? I posted a video on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. It's rap performing live recently. And Stephen Piercy is drunk off his ass. And he slurs the vocals. And he has to sit on the drum riser. He's sitting on the drum riser. Slurring the lyrics. effing up the lyrics. On round and round. Their signature song. That's a nice legacy. Round round. It's sad, but not surprising. I know Piercy's the voice they're at, but if this is the best he can do with the name and the legacy, then maybe it should have stayed with our buddy from Turtle Creek, uh, the drummer Bobby Blotzer. Check out the video on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. I got to give a shout out to the Reserve Township Police Department uh, helping me with a problem earlier today. Uh, Reserve